0: this man is our generation's chris moneymaker our industry's chris moneymaker he gives all of you watching this video in february the hope that if you put in the work you put in the time you could change your life guys we had a big show for tea, for you we got a big show for you guys tonight stick with us here we go Fish, 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 fish. what is up fantasy land i'm so excited i tripped over my own tongue we got <laughs> the best ball mania three champion in the house tonight mr two million dollar man pat corain welcome back to the district
2: brother thanks guys yeah happy to be on
3: no we're stoked to have you in here um you know obviously there was a huge accomplishment for you last year and Really excited about the content you're putting out, um, you know, this coming off season, It's a really exciting season. Uh, we were just talking rookie running backs in the, in the uh, pre-show. I know you guys are, are talking about them and ship chasing tonight. Um, but it, we just came off of, you know, one of the best Super Bowls ever. And uh, what a great way to end the week with you this week.
2: Yeah, we'll be talking uh, on ship chasing nine 15 uh, We'll be going through some of the rookie running backs in some more detail. But there's tons of other news to cover, so i uh, like to talk about that with you guys here.
0: Yeah, man, let's, uh, let's get right into it. I mean, we could, we could pick Pat's brain about a lot of stuff, but we, we, we want to get into kind of the current news. What's, there's a lot going on in the NFL, even though kind of off-the-field stuff is over now. There's a lot going on, and, and we start at the quarterback position. Derek Carr, free agent now, free to kind of get out there and see what the market's got for him. A lot of talk about maybe how he is in the dressing room, how he is as a teammate, Pat, for fantasy-wise, where do we where do we want to see Derek Carr? Where do we think we see him? And how are you handling
2: him right now in fantasy? Maybe drafts, maybe dynasty. I mean, he's going to start somewhere. So I think from, you know, uh, listening to podcasts and stuff, I think actually, and maybe it was on Ship Chasing where Ben Grudge was kind of pointing out, like, or was stealing bananas, but um, was pointing out, like, you know, you can comfortably draft Carr, I think, in best ball where he's going because he's going to be a starter. Um, Obviously, stacking him (laughs) is going to be difficult. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll end up somewhere. And he's like, Carr is funny because people seem to, like, really bounce back and forth on him. Like, heading into last year, it was like, oh, man, he's so good. And, like, a couple years before, it was like, ah, he really stinks, huh? And it's like, he's just okay. He's just fine. You know, and I think right now it's kind of, you know, maybe if you just think he's fine, you're like ahead of market because people are a little bit down on him given the situation crumbling and everything. So uh is I think he's the
0: 13th, 14th round fair for him right now, like between guys like Trey Lance, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford around there.
2: Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, the issue with him in best ball is that he's not all that likely to provide like spike weeks. And in these tournament structures, you do need spike weeks from your quarterbacks, Um, even from, you know, quarterbacks in that range. You'd prefer that they can have like Daniel Jones came out of that range and had a huge week 17. You know, that's what you want. And and he's not a great bet for that. So if he moves up into the 10th or 11th, I think he's a little bit less interesting. But we don't know where he's going to go if he goes on the Jets or something. I mean. He's got weapons there. If he goes even to the Saints, you know, Chris Olave looks like a legit number one. So um, I think maybe, you know, he's still not going to be a great bet for for quarterback spike weeks, but he can certainly help you get to the the fantasy playoffs for that price. And you never know. Maybe he he does happen to blow up when you need him to.
0: Especially he had
2: Adams, right?
0: Right, Theo, last year. So you would think he'd get some of those spike weeks. But uh, where, where do you think he ends up? Where would you like to see him go?
3: Well, I, to me, I, I feel like the the New Orleans uh, the New Orleans landing spot might happen. There was, you know, some interest there um, when we looked. We thought he was going to be a trade candidate. Now it looks like he's he's just going to be signing as a free agent. I think the Jets is interesting. I don't think that that's their number one QB option, but I think if the Aaron Rodgers thing doesn't happen, he'd be he'd be one they would definitely consider along with like a Jimmy Garoppolo. And I the the interesting landing spot for me would be Tennessee. If they do look to pivot, Carr would be interesting. He's quarterback twenty-two in the early uh, in the early underdog drafts. I think that's about right for him. I don't think he'll be drafted lower than that. So if you're looking for a slight value, he's he probably ends up like QB nineteen-ish. But I don't think there's any landing spot that's really going to propel him up.
0: Shout, shout out to the chat, Harry Snowman. Anything on Baker to the Saints? That's the first I hear that do we, do we care about that, Pat?
2: (laughs) No, I,
3: I,
0: Chris Olave cares.
2: Yeah. I think, so my feeling on a guy like Carr and and this could be wrong, but you know, I think he's above the line of like he goes to the Texans and is a bridge like that's because if, if he's that type of quarterback, then he's being overdrafted because you need, you need your quarterbacks to be starting in the fantasy playoffs. Um, And so, like, a guy like Baker, I mean, Baker has no real job security for week 17 of next year. Um, I think Carr probably does. Like, he's, I think, going to go be someone's legit starter. Uh, But do you guys have any concern about him? Like, is that maybe too optimistic? Could he end up being kind of a bridge quarterback?
3: I think he could be a bridge quarterback. Um, I think that that might be a good way of describing him. He's certainly not a a long-term answer.
0: I, I could see him one of those guys that gets a spot early in the offseason, but then gets replaced quickly, uh, maybe after the draft or, or like something like that. Like maybe he's like a backup plan for a team uh, just mm-hmm. in case they don't get their guy in the draft or, or, or later on uh, in free agency. But I, I don't know if if he's shown enough. Uh, it, it's weird. Eh? Like he went from top of the world to top of the top of the backups to the QB twos. It's it's the, the NFL is weird like that.
2: Yeah, like Jimmy Garoppolo strikes me as a guy who's going to end up being a bridge quarterback. Like he's he's going to be in a Marcus Mariota situation or something. Um but I don't know. I I personally I think Carr is a bit better than that, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. Um just real quick on this
0: just from we, we want to get the chat in um Tampa Bay, do you see Kyle Trask as the answer there? Do you see them give, give, giving enough of a chance, or do you see someone else coming in there
2: uh, before the season starts? they got to bring someone else in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Jimmy G was already linked to them. And, like, you know, Pat brought up a bridge quarterback. It would make a lot of sense if Tampa takes, like, an Anthony Richardson, ends up with Jimmy Garoppolo, and then ends up going with, you know, the young QB whenever he's ready. I just don't think Kyle Trask is very good, and it will be hard for me to see them go- going that way to start the season.
2: Have you guys d- dug in at all on uh, on Anthony Richardson? I'm still pretty early I'm, in my quarterback stuff, but <laughs> so
3: I think he's like we one of our one of our um, one of our other co-hosts uh, Andrew Schellenberg, who you know is very high on Richardson. Like Richardson, I think the argument against him is is he has a very small sample size, like not a ton of starts, but he is absolutely electric. Um, you know, the scrambling ability is there. He's got great QB size. And I think he's going to end up with the draft capital. Um, You know, if you're looking just as terms of fantasy, uh, you know, a fantasy profile, like he's more appealing than the other three quarterbacks in this class in terms of like their fantasy ceiling. Like if he hits, he could really, really hit. So I just I feel like he's going to stay in the top 20 of this draft. I know there's some people that think he could fall, but I think that there's going to be a team that that really really likes him. And I, I don't see him falling below like pick 20. So he could end up in a better situation than some of these guys that might go a little bit higher. Um, I'm kind of bullish on Richardson.
2: Yeah, me too. I'm excited about him. And maybe, maybe if he's in that range, it's like, he doesn't start right away and that makes it way harder for best ball and stuff. But I'm, I mean, his profile from a fantasy perspective I think is better than, I think he has the best fantasy profile in the class from yeah. from what I've seen so far.
0: He, yeah, he's like, fun, he's fun to get late in the drafts, and he sounds like a guy that's going to be fun in super flex, especially like yeah. late in drafts and in dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah. Yeah, no,
3: for sure. He's he's he could end up being a real value, um, especially if people talk themselves into you know letting him slide to like the 106 in these super flex drafts. He could end up being like an absolute steal. So yeah, yeah, I'm into him. I, I really hope he lands well.
0: Okay, slight change, slight change of gear. Maybe more for the deeper best balls. This is kind of why I wanted to touch on this. PFF just put out like top underrated free agents at different positions, and I just thought like the list was interested. I'm wondering, Theo, maybe I'll go to you first. Like any of these names stand out as someone we should care about? Meaning like maybe when you're in best ball draft later in the drafts, you look at these guys, or maybe when you're doing your trades in dynasty, you look to to throw some of these guys in. Or we got Demont at running back, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, Paris Campbell. Which I can't believe is already uh, at, at that point of his career uh, from Indy, and then Hayden Hurst, uh, the tight end in Cincinnati. Any name there
3: resonate, Theo? David Montgomery is interesting for me because I think he could ruin a lot of backfields. Um, I think he could be kind of guy that lands and, and makes a committee like more of a committee. I know Dan Dan's
0: high on Demon, right?
3: He's he's produced, and you know he's a guy that's easy to kind of like pile up on. Um, but if he lands in Kansas city and reunites with Matt Nagy, like there's been some links there, like how could you not like him where he's that's, going? That, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, especially in best ball, uh, where you don't have to worry about which weeks to start him, Um, he would definitely be the most interesting of the guys you posted. Like Hayden Hurst is what he is. Um, he's like a touchdown or bust guy in a very good offense. I, if you're looking to stack, I think he's, he's someone you would consider, but I wouldn't get like excited. Harris Campbell had so many of those great weeks with Matt Ryan, um, and he's got the injury history. So, like, I would be uncomfortable taking him um, in some of these early best balls. Um, but D- David Montgomery, like, I'm. It's become like kind of like cool to kind of pile up on him. But I, I think you know he's fine where he's going, especially he's going late at this point.
0: Nature of the position, right? These guys eventually get it seems the opportunities in best ball. I mean, we're not uh, Pat any of these guys. Uh, ring a bell or or that we should care about right now in fantasy.
2: Yeah, I agree with Theo. I think David Montgomery jumps out. I mean, he's definitely not someone I want to be drafting a ton of. um, But I think if you think about if you're drafting this time of year, you're, you're certainly going to be drafting in August and September as well. So I think it makes sense then to think about the prices that you're going to be getting on players throughout the entire year. And this is probably as cheap as you're going to get, David Montgomery, unless the bottom falls out, which it could, you know. But if you're taking him at the end of the 10th round, like if he ends up being a a 16th round value because he's, let's say he's signed as like a pure backup somewhere, um, it's not going to crush you. It's like a handcuff, right? Like let's say he ends up being like a a true handcuff to somebody. Uh, That's not going to kill you in the 10th round, but there's a chance that he ends up like, it's kind of a gross seventh round pick because it's like he's got so much opportunity wherever he goes. And I feel like this is a pretty good price now, especially because, you know, running back is pretty hard to project uh, this time of year. You know, there's so much uncertainty. So, um, you know, I kind of hate to say it, but it's pretty good value.
3: (laughs) He fits your, he fits your bimodal uh, build as well, Pat. He He does you're very late, you know, ignoring. He's, he's, he's turning
0: late. 26. He had his lowest touchdown total. Not, you know, not by that much off, but he finished RB 27 last, last year. He was RB 12 the year before RB six, when you're looking at points per game. So he's given us those RB one years and in the right situation, I mean, like we said, because of the nature of the position,
2: uh, definitely
0: someone that he's versatile too.
2: I. I think that's important with him. It's that like, we don't know where he's going to go, but like, if he goes somewhere and he's a third down back i you know he, i think he'd be okay in that role he could also go like speaking of like ruining backfields or something like if the lions brought him in mean, God, uh. God, you know and it, but but you know how that would go it'd just be like he'd be on the field way too much he'd be like put deandre swift in and it's just david montgomery all the time like i can envision that pretty clearly and then it's like you know he's probably producing like sixth round sixth round type of value uh, as as we pull our hair out and and where we'll
0: where are you stuff. on Swift right now? Are you super cautious, Pat? Like uh, you know, talking about ruining at his price, or or you feel like maybe you can get a value right now before he he solidifies anything? Or where are you on Swift right now in fantasy?
2: I think he's fine. Kind of where he's going. I think maybe it's like a touch optimistic, I guess. But I I don't I I probably draft some of them where he's going. um
0: It feels like fourth or third fourth roundish.
2: Yeah, it looks like he's got an AP of 48.7 in the big board, uh, which is underdog. Um, so that, that feels like pretty fair because um, you got to take some for the upside, I think.
3: Yeah, I took him in, a, in an FFPC one this week. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Pat nailed it. It's, especially for tournament play, you don't want to not have DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, in the, the range of outcomes. He could have a massive season with his receiving ability. And just getting a, a, just having a little less Jamal Williams around the goal line, and a little more DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, would naturally you know bring them closer together in terms of touchdown scored. And do Staley's out of town, which which we got to like. He was the DeAndre Swift block. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. All right. Actually, I, I'm I'm higher on DeAndre Swift than I realized because all I needed was like a slight bull case, and I'm like, you know what? I, I like him where he's going.
3: <laughs> you sailie out that's all you need see i
0: yeah. i really like when he falls to the fourth like i feel like in the third you know he, i feel in the fourth i'm like oh i feel really good about that value he's he, he i just passed on him for dk Metcalf. uh in, a, in my first 125 i started with cd lamb went my boy asb and then uh, dk Metcalf there just to lock up my top three uh, receivers but I, I i'm gonna play around with swift pollard dk like those guys in that range just because you know, I'm passing on guys like Harris and Pittman.
2: You know, in yeah, in, in that range. So Pollard is someone I really like. Where he's going, like Pollard might Shit, be. God, there's one more guy to
0: pick before my next my next turn. So <laughs> sorry, I want to pair him up with CD. No, I'm joking, man. Go ahead, buddy. I, lo-
2: I love. Well, right he might be the best running back in the NFL. The, the, the dude is awesome, and so like I don't. I, does it matter? Like the uncertainty stuff. It's like who ca- who cares. Like, at the price you're getting him at, he's falling uh, outside of the third round right now. It looks like he's going in the early fourth. Like Fourth. I keep getting him in the fourth. Yeah. I'm going to be snapping him up in the
0: fourth round? How far up does he go up? Like, let's say he signs with Dallas, gets his money.
2: How far up does he move up? I mean, he reminds me of players that we've taken around the early second round. Like we've taken players like him, like Kenyon, remember Kenyon Drake when he was going uh, in the early second after his, his year in Arizona, you know, and it's like, man, if he just gets the work, he's going to light the league on fire. Like we know it's this, but with Pollard, it's actually true. He's shown you it. Know? He's shown that top yeah. five. So I'm we'll not be, saying I want to take him there, but I, I don't think I never would if if that's where you had to take him.
3: Two, three turn. I think when the dust settles, I think he'll be a two, three turn guy. And I think it'll be popular to start the draft with Justin Jefferson. Like like in the A T in that end range. Exactly. It's all, and I think yeah. like a like a, a wide re- take Justin Jefferson and follow up with Pollard as your RB1 with a, another wide receiver. I think that'll be a common start. You guys worried about his
0: health at all? I know there's a question there, and and you know, he got hurt uh later in the season.
3: It, if they franchise tag him right away, then I don't have concerns, especially because they'd be passing up franchise tagging Schultz who they franchise-tied last year. So I think, like, if Dallas locks him up with the franchise, then I would have, you know, you know no concerns about, about his health and him being ready for the season.
2: Yeah, I guess that's something to keep an eye on. I, I was – my initial read on that was that it wasn't going to be something where we were um, all that concerned about his – yeah, about how it was affecting him. Turn. But, yeah. Okay. But I think – I mean, some of that, that's somewhat baked in in the fourth round. I mean – you're like you're talking about what you're saying, Theo, is like you could almost you can do that with the Jefferson thing, except you're getting two guys in between. Like you're able to pull that off. <laughs> Maybe he's not falling all the way at the end of the fourth. But it's like, man, uh, I, I think the two, three turn, that's where you at least start start having to think about it in the fourth. It just feels like a, an easy click. When when you could start three solid solid receivers
0: and then smash Pollock in the fourth, it's it's just you know it's kind of like DK uh, D- Dobbins in the uh, in the sixth, you know if you're right. you're hitting those other positions early, those those guys that could kind of save you if you're taking your first uh, running back uh, later. Sarthio,
3: I think that there's some concerns with with Schottenheimer as well, where you know the which I I don't think is correct like. I think that there are people that are a little worried about the Dallas offense changing a bit, and and I, I do think that there is there is some concern with that. But I again I agree with you. The talent is there, and we've seen him absolutely smash and, and show the ability to win weeks. So I'm I'm with you. Pollard is fantastic value now, and I think he'll still be value. You know when he moves up.
0: Guys, before we get into kind of all the coaching hires and all, all that fun stuff, let's uh CBS just just called out a couple teams, uh, you know, poised for regression according to them. I thought this was interesting because these are two top ten offenses. If you're looking points per game produced this year in 2022, uh Minnesota and Seattle. Uh you know, you, you look at Minnesota, they're they're gonna be going into their second season in that with that regime uh in that offense. You would think they there's room there to grow and then seattle gino just coming in maybe not expected as a starter solidifies uh again him going into his second season as the true starter you would think for seattle pat do you see any opportunities here do you see regression coming for these two offenses any pieces uh that that you find interesting this time of year on on either team
2: yeah i mean i think that's that's both of those are, are pretty fair regression candidates uh Tyler Lockett jumps out to me as once again a value. Um, Evan Silva's been banging <laughs> Where, the drum. Where's Dan? Dan would love hearing that right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, Silva's pointed out like over the last, I feel like five five years or something, he's been noting that Tyler Lockett's a value. And then every year he, he is a value. Um, he was awesome this past year. And, you know, ADP here of 69, uh, you know, maybe he's not like a massive, massive steal or something, but... It feels like it's kind of baked in again, like with the downside risk is always seems to get baked in with Tyler Lockett, um, pretty fully. So he's someone that, and and in general, it's like some of the values that I'm seeing right now do seem to be on like more boring guys. Um, and and Lockett's definitely someone that the market clearly finds boring, but up I like mixing him in where he's going.
3: He beats ADP every single season. Um, yeah, you know, they're there, it's Set it and forget it. I, those two teams, it's like, uh, in terms of regression, I could see Minnesota scoring a lot of points. Again, uh, I think the offense is, is in a good place, but the, but the, win, the win-loss, maybe not uh, winning is winning. Because they were yeah. so fortunate this year with the plus-minus. Seattle's interesting, though. Um, I think Seattle has a little bit of juice. Uh, Gino, you know, in year two, you know, provided that they bring him back, you know, that we like the weapons there. And the defense has a lot of youth. That really shined and they have um, draft picks galore this year again. So I'm, I'm be interesting to see how Seattle ends up, but they're, they're kind of a a dark horse for me, but I think Minnesota, you know, taking a step back in terms of being a little closer to 500, I think is a pretty safe bet.
0: Yeah, I mean, strictly thinking best ball right now, I like grabbing guys like the Seattle receivers because you can get Geno later just for the, the stake of the the stacks. Uh, same with Cousin, right? He he falls pretty far and you, you can kind of stack uh, the TJ Hawks, the JJs, and then uh, Cousins because, you know, at the end of the day with the way that the nature of that offense, they are definitely going to put up fantasy points. Just like Theo said, probably not as many win losses. Uh, somebody asking uh, how can Seattle regress? I think that's probably what we're talking about was – you know, them getting the playoffs was, was a pretty big surprise. I would imagine that's uh, part of the regression, but uh, I still think, you know, again, geo building rapport with those receivers, they've both produced. So uh, you probably still get your points there. And, and then the young running back as well in Seattle, let's uh, my Colts make a, a, they get their guy again from Philly uh, getting Shane striking the, the OC from the Eagles uh, you see all both coordinators from both Super Bowl teams right like right away get snatched up. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I was, you know, gonna throw in there, Pat, like part of the question. Do you think because of that, like other talents get passed up? And, and then these guys that are that make it to the big game, uh, their 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 stocks, you know, get so high that uh maybe blur- there's blurry vision from the teams hiring them, you know, versus the, the other competition
2: for the jobs. Yeah, I mean they're well, it's funny too, because Biennemi has not gotten any love as a head coaching candidate. Um, Shady,
3: Shady McCoy destroyed him this week. Did he? W- I so missed that. that yeah, you, you got to see Shady McCoy went like uh, – was really nasty about the guy and said that that was the reason he was was not coming back to Kansas City. And Biennemi talks to players really badly. And okay. he didn't really elaborate on it, but I thought it was odd. Because I'm with you. Like, I thought Biennemi would get the Arizona job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just never, never happens. And – I don't know, the enemy uh you can it you can have a past, but you can't have a past that involves, you know, berating players, I feel like in this day and age. I think that catches up with you. And I think there's a little more with the with the Shady McCoy story. Um I'm interested to see if that kind of elaborates uh this summer.
2: That is interesting because there's rumors and stuff about him and, and Patrick Mahomes not having the best relationship. And so I mean, honestly, if like there's there's, I mean, there's a lot of smoke there. That would be the type of thing that would make me not want to hire a coach. I mean, I'm a big Dan Campbell fan, you know, and he, that's sort of the opposite situation yeah. where players. I mean, like, I know this is stupid, but like, even on Hard Knocks, there's like, there were all these clips after they cut guys that the guys would just be like, hey, man, like, just want to let you guys know, like, I love what you're building here. Like, this, this genuinely seems like an awesome place to work. Um, and I, I think there's, there's got to be something to that. Uh, but anyway, to your point, to your question about um, these coordinators, I mean, yeah, they probably are getting uh, like overhyped a little bit because of it all coming together. I mean, Sean McVay's guys have been poached like just year after year after year. It got to the point. Who was the guy who went to Seattle? I think he's still there. And it was like I mean uh, Shane something. Um, I remember being like, oh, maybe maybe this is going to help out Russell Wilson the last year he was there. And it's like, no he's not Sean McVay. So, um, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic. Shane Waldron. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm optimistic about,
3: um, uh, to the chat. I, I not, you know, not taking a side. I'm just saying it with, with regarding shady and, and I just, you know, you rarely hear this kind of things, you know, throwing a guy under the bus that's up for jobs. So uh, I think that that was, uh, that was interesting for sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, I, I think Steichen is, is more interesting just because he's an offensive guy. Um, I think I don't really know what to expect with Gannon. You know, he's a defensive guy. Uh, I know the Eagles fans were kind of a little mixed on him, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. But uh, Steichen, I, I think, is more interesting just because if we, we're, we're worried about fantasy results. And, and you know, he, he seems like a pretty sound offensive mind for sure
3: such a copycat league in terms of like we want, you know, we, first it was the McVay coaching tree. Um, and now, you know, we're going to, we're going to get the Sirianni coaching tree. It's fine. I think, I think the Shane Steichen, uh, you know, hire is fine. The Gannon hire, it's like the guy got completely ripped apart in the, in the biggest game of the season uh, and then lands on his feet a couple days later with the head coaching job. It just seems like if I had to bet on one of them having their job, in in four years, I, I would bet on the Colts and not the Cardinals. Yeah, it, it seems like it, like it's a fallback option for Arizona, and it feels like Indianapolis actually kind of landed well. Um,
0: well, Arizona's like going into a rebuild too, right? So it's not like you know big what time. They they're they're, they're
3: the, um they're like the they're the 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 lowest uh, favorite to win the Super Bowl next year, I believe in in Vegas. Um, shout out to whoever whoever said that on the show. That was another guest recently said that, but that's very telling. I think Arizona, we don't know how long Kyler is going to be out. Uh, and the team is, is definitely in flux. Indianapolis, I, I think is interesting though. Cause I think that the, that division is more up, is very much up for grabs. Uh, you know, after Jacksonville, uh, you could see Indianapolis turning it around pretty quickly. Uh, there's a lot of talent still on that roster and it'll be interesting to see how it goes.
2: Yeah. Um, I would, I would note uh Kevin Cole did some good research recently on head coaching hires and was kind of noting that there wasn't a ton of um, correlation between like how these coaches did as coordinators and then how they ended up doing as head coaches. Um, And so the, you know, the idea being like, it's pretty different uh, job, you know, and like a lot of what people have written about with what makes a successful head coach comes down to like being really detail oriented and, and that type of stuff that maybe, it doesn't matter quite as much, you know, how good you are at coordinating an offense. It's like, you're you're actually having to lead the whole team at this point. So I guess if there ends up being any like really strong narratives around any of these coaches, I would probably sell that narrative. Like we were like remember Sirianni. It wasn't just Campbell who was doing the biting kneecap stuff. And I legit think that like, he's a funny person and that he was like kind of having fun with some of that stuff and that we lost our minds. Um, But Sirianni, remember, was also getting like like the guys. I grew up near Philadelphia. Like, I have a bunch of friends who are Eagles fans, and they were like, What? Who the? This guy's a goon. Bad intro. Bad intro press conference. conference. Yeah. 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 Like, (laughs) there was legit like fear after that press conference of like, What have we done? You know? And so, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of like really big takes on these coaches right now. But I guess, uh, keeping an open mind on these guys is probably the best the best scenario at this point
3: it's it's funny like the the head coaches there's different ways to kind of skin a cat and i think that certain guys you know come across as as more intelligent than some other ones do but i i, I think that you know you really can't judge it it's how you do in the locker room it's how you manage people and yeah. you know it's it's uh there's different different personalities win in this league um, and I think people are way too quick to judge. And the the Siriani one, it was like, yeah, there was there was people were just hating on
2: that one after the first week. And he and he's been fantastic. So I mean, he did seem like kind of an idiot. Yeah. You know, in the press conference, you're like, this guy seemed I can't imagine this guy being a good coach. But yet he yeah. is. So
3: Campbell knows what he's doing though. Campbell, like Campbell's like been in this league. He knows how to how to motivate people and, yeah. and how to get that locker room fired up. I think Detroit could win huge this year um that's one team i'm definitely bullish on
0: yeah too. same man uh, anyways um going back to the uh, enemy really quick there is word that he's uh possibly interviewing for the commanders uh our favorite team the washington commanders uh, <laughs> uh, uh oc job do how do we feel about that i mean does that help the pieces There does it give us a hint as to maybe which direction uh, this offense goes this year at at quarterback or at any at any pace overall, I guess you could even you can even ask. Theo. Uh,
3: Well, I think that this is actually would be a nice landing spot for the because I think that Ron Rivera, how much longer can he be there? So, like, that's a kind of – the enemy could end up kind of taking over. Maybe he moves in as the
0: the head coach. Maybe the guy – maybe, yeah. maybe,
3: maybe you know, he goes there and, and elevates an offense, um, you know, as a coordinator, and that's what he needs to, you know, kind of get away from Andy Reid. Because I think that yeah. Andy Reid, you know, gets a lot of the credit for the offense. Um, but I don't know. It's It, it seems like a weird fit um, in terms of what Washington has – um, and based on how the enemy offenses have been, but he certainly knows what he's doing as a, as a, as a sharp, sharp mind. So I think if you're a Washington fan, you should be super, super hyped about that one. Uh, Pat, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I, I generally agree. I, I'm a bit of a Scott Turner apologist. Um, like I thought he was fine. Uh, and like, generally I feel like the bigger issues have been around the quarterbacks, like, He's had to deal with Taylor Heineke or had to deal with Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz. Uh, they just haven't really had anybody there. I'm curious if they actually stick with Howell. Like, that'd be kind of fun from a fantasy perspective, but it's like a pretty risky way to bet on commanders players. Like, the, it's pretty, you know, things could be horrible. Like, there's always a few offenses where it's just like, I, the correct answer on this team was to not draft anybody. And with Howell, like, that pretty easy to imagine that being the case that you just didn't want commanders where they were going um and so that that makes me nervous as much as I kind of I kind of like Sam Howell and I'm I want to root for him but I really I just for the sake of like having to cover these teams next year (laughs) I, I want them their offense to be functional I hope they bring in competition
3: shout out to Christina DeFelice in the chat yeah he's he's so much better than than Taylor Heineke uh it's not even funny so maybe maybe you're you're you just draft hat uh, on Sam Howland and ignore the rest, but I do like Jahan Dotson uh, where he's going so far behind. Love,
2: love his value in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty solid. I'm not the biggest fan of his, but I think he's this price makes sense. So we, we talked about Indy Frank Reich, uh, going over to Carolina
0: brings over Parks Frazier, um, as the new pass coordinator. And I believe they would work together, uh, also in Indy, uh, just this is more just really, Pat. You can comment on the 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 hire, and you know even Frank Reich going to Carolina. How you feel about that? But what are what are your thoughts on Carolina as an offense? DJ Moore is a guy that keeps producing. Uh, you know, in on. In un- favorable circumstances you you hope that he gets finally a quarterback and, and can show us his full potential but he's still produced under those circumstances is he maybe a buy the dip guy right now before I feel like a lot of these situations where the quarterback's not clear a lot of these guys are out of value do you feel the same way uh in what you're seeing right now in drafts
2: yeah I think DJ Moore is a pretty good value right now for sure um on underdog he's, he's even cheaper yeah. uh, he's like late fifth um and so I, I like him there for sure uh, what we saw at the Panthers last year, it was weird under rule where they, they were actually they kind of pass first. They were just so, they're so, so, so bad that like, I don't think people realize they were actually kind of passing more than expected. They had like a positive pass rate of expected. Generally they were um, had like, they were passing more than expected on first down and stuff. They were doing some, some things that I think are generally kind of smart. And, but they were just, it just, none of it was working. And then under Wilkes, they went like kind of full um, Falcons. Like they just were like, we're running, we're running, we're running. And that ended up working a lot better. Um, and I, you know, I think it makes sense. They're just like, they're kind of, they just want to take the air out of the ball. They're, they're the underdogs. They didn't have much going on. I think under Reich, they'll probably be pretty balanced. I, I imagine they will be like a run first team. I don't think they'll be as run heavy as as they were under Wilkes, and they should be more effective than they were under Rule. So Moore probably has like a volume bump coming and like a a slight efficiency bump coming. So I don't think I'm going to be like ever – I hope I won't ever be like super, super excited about him. And, you know, if he's going in the third round, maybe that's going to be too pricey. But if he's like fifth, fourth, uh, I think I'm in at that price.
0: Theo, it's uh, Scott Kobe avoiding D.J. Moore right now. Yeah, I I, I think
3: Pat hit hit the nail on the head, and and Scott's a sharp player as well. Um, But, again, if he falls a little bit, I think he's interesting because I think that the targets will go back to the norm, where last year D.J. Moore was like sub-120 target guy. Um, You know, if the quarterback situation improves, I I think we're just – I don't want to like throw the talent on DJ Moore. He's 25 years old and we've, we've seen him have, you know, fantasy success. He's just never like had that, that massive, that massive season that we were hoping for. Um, but I think all these guys come become a value um, to a point. Um, so I think if DJ Moore slips a little bit, I think he becomes interesting, but certainly he wouldn't be a guy that I would, I would really want in like the third round um, early fourth. There's other guys I would, I would much prefer, but uh, I wouldn't like abandon ship. In Dynasty. And he's going on
2: the fifth. So scoop him.
3: Yeah. Fifth round. It's like, at the end of the day, if you look at the fifth round, it's like how many guys could get 150 targets? And I think that DJ Moore is one of them. So at the end of the day, the the targets will matter. And Carolina, you know, could be linked to like a, you know, make a move for a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud. I think they're going to end up with one of these, you know, top young quarterbacks. And, I like the idea of a, of a rookie quarterback, you know, having tunnel vision and fixating on their number one target. That happens a lot. Um, and I think it could end up being DJ Moore.
2: It happened in Carolina. remember uh, yeah. Cam Newton Steve to Smith. Steve Smith. Yeah.
3: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, totally remember that. Uh, just real quick, because I forgot to ask you with the Colts. I got I to gotta know what you think, Pat. Uh, which quarterback do you think ends, ends up in Indy?
2: Oh, uh, man. I mean, so wait, where, where are they drafting? What's their pick? Fourth right now. Uh, I'll say Stroud. Interesting.
3: I think it's gonna. I think they'll end up with Levis.
0: Levis, right? That's they, what
2: I keep hearing. Yeah, they cool, seem to like, like them. they like big,
3: strong quarterbacks, and he's he fits the mold. He's got the big arm, you know. For better or for worse, I think that'll be their pick. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see if they move around or they just stand put. And uh, I, th- I would I would bet on Levis, but Stroud, you know, it could they could be Stroud as well. I don't. I've think been will...
2: in Indonesia. I'll, I'll uh, I, I I would tell the listeners to to put their money on your <laughs> on your bet there. <laughs> nice.
3: They will take a quarterback though. I think that like that's that is they're not going to pass up this opportunity. You know, drafting the top five. I think they're they're going to make a move for one of these QBs.
0: Yeah, and I don't think they move up. There's no point. They better not give. I don't see the point moving up.
3: Um, I mean, if you fall in love with one of these guys, it's like we're we're all looking at these guys as kind of like, you know, less clarity, but certain NFL teams have these grading systems. They might have one guy way ahead of the others. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think if it's if it's your guy, you go get him because you, you never can count on being in the top five again unless you're, you know, the Houston Texans. Uh, who will probably be in the top five again? It, but, it's our owner. <laughs> I'm worried about Theo. It's, it's yeah. the
0: owner I'm worried about. You know, it's kind of like in Dallas. If he if he gets a crush on one of these kids, you're you're kind of in trouble. Yeah.
3: Just hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor.
0: Exactly. That's a, that's what I'm hoping uh, the the new hire uh, does. Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. We've got some big shows coming. Uh, we just got off with Josh Larkey this week earlier, um, and Alfredo Brown uh, yep. came on for a dynasty. Uh, dynasty market check just looking at you know rookies dynasty moves you guys can go after right now guys you can buy at a value guys you'd be drafting at a value and, and then a deep dive with uh, some of the rookies he's actually uh, was this was a what is it uh, Theo his background as college scout I believe
3: yeah he was a he had a a, a scouting background and, and he does great work at football guys and um, you know we we put out a number of these rookie shows so if you want to get caught up on the the yep. rookie, definitely tune into chip chasing right after us. Um yes. but look back Cody Carpentier has been on, John Lobb, Matt Hicks, Matt Hicks. and Neil Brown have all dove into this rookie class. So we're getting you prepared in the district.
0: Yeah, man. We're we we want we want one of you guys to win the next two mil. I know I know Pat's uh, keen on, on defending his title, but uh hopefully <laughs> one of you guys uh, put in the time and, and before, can
3: before Pat before we, we get deeper in the show though, there's been questions, Pat. The bimodal running back build, which you had great success with, maybe yep. you could share because I think that that's going to be um, a strategy that obviously is going to pick up steam this, this off season. We had, you know, the hero RB, we had the zero RB, and now we have the bimodal RB. Maybe you could kind of talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So shout out to Hayden Winks has been uh, pushing the strategy for years. Um, and it, it was a strategy that was very, very successful in 2021. Um, to the point it's not a strategy that I even now I'm like it's not my favorite, but I, it, the success it had in 2021 was impossible to ignore. It, it was it crushed in underdog, had really strong advance rates, um, getting teams to the playoffs. It did not do all that well in the playoffs. but you know the playoffs are kind of fluky. it's you know three uncorrelated tournaments, one week tournaments um, and so, you know, whatever strategies do all that well in the playoffs is probably, I mean, maybe if we had a big sample, you could say there's something about a strategy that's not conducive to like winning one week tournaments, but I don't think we really had that. So my feeling was, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe there's still some value in using this strategy that was super successful because it didn't ultimately like have this awesome playoffs. Um, It's probably why there's some value to it last year and then i also i did some research showing that you know i thought i thought it paired particularly well with three quarterbacks because if you just think about where you're drafting running backs if you're doing a lot of zero running back builds or or hero running back builds you really need to make sure you have enough running backs before they completely dry up and that means you're probably taking running back a couple running backs in like the round eight nine ten eleven twelve range that's a the same range where there's generally some good upside quarterbacks. So if you're taking two running backs early, it frees you up. It's like kind of frees up a pick in a sense. And it's it's a luxury pick. You could spend it on a a receiver. You could, you could still spend on a running back if you want, but you could also maybe do a three quarterback build that has three quarterbacks within the quarterback window, which is a strategy Sean Siegel's written a lot about the idea being you're getting three quarterbacks, but you're getting them, before the upside at the position completely dries up. So um, bimodal, I think is interesting. I think maybe one of the things that's kind of interesting as we get deeper and deeper in the best ball stuff is thinking about combining some of these strategies. How do you make this puzzle kind of all work? Cause the team that I had was also an elite tight end team. Um, and so that again, I didn't necessarily need to worry about taking a tight end in that same range where I took uh, the quarterbacks, a lot of people take their tight ends in the late single-digit, early double-digit rounds. I didn't have to do that because I had George Kittle. Um, so can, I think can – you, Can you explain, Pat, for ahead. someone who maybe does is not familiar with the the strategy what
0: exactly it means, bimodal uh, running back? Yeah,
2: yeah. I should probably have uh, covered that. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> um, I didn't want to interrupt there. Um, yeah. Yes. That's right. Two running backs. and And I think the key is – You go two running backs, usually running back, running back, although you could certainly go like wide receiver, running back, running back. I think, you know, philosophically be the same thing, but you're going two early running backs and then stopping for a while. And then that's the big thing. It's different than like hyper fragile is a strategy where you'd go, let's say, three running backs in the first five rounds and then maybe just one more or maybe two more, but you'd be tacking on your last running back in like the 17th or 18th round, something like that, spending essentially essentially no more draft capital than your, than your top three guys, just a couple extra dollar type of picks if you think about it in auction terms. That would be hyper-fragile. Robust running back would be like you just take as many running backs as you want, you know, regardless of how many you have, and you just keep drafting them. Bimodal would not be like if you want running back, running back, and then a running back in a sixth. And a running back in the seventh, I wouldn't really consider that bimodal. by bimodal would be more like you know double digits back, back. You're
0: going your third RB like in double digits, right? After yeah. 10.
2: Yeah. Or maybe the eight, maybe you take one in the seventh or eighth and then in the twelfth or something. Like you're kind of you're again think about it kind of auction dollars. Like you spent two really heavy picks. So then you're not you're not spending another you know thirty-five dollars on running back. You already spent all your money on running back. You're spending. You, I got. Is
0: that lesser depth then at running back, and you're just kind of hitting maybe another two or three more, and you're still doing
2: like a, the four or five build. Exactly. Yeah. So I did it. This was a the the build that I had was five running backs. I did um uh, Eckler and Saquon to start first two picks. Then I got Ramondre Stevenson, I believe, in the tenth, um, and then I got Mostert and Sony Michelle as late round guys, both were on the dolphins at the time. And I was literally just like, I'm going to spend $2 to try to get a massive $1 hit from a Miami running back. Cause I only need one of these one guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I already, if I, if I'm right on the other guys, I only need one of these guys to matter. And most of it really mattered. He, he was in my, uh, my lineup in the final week, in addition to providing value throughout the year. So, yes, it's exactly that. You don't need as much depth because you're, you've you made a massive bet. You've, you've bet your whole team on these two running backs. Like if Eckler doesn't have a legendary season, if Saquon doesn't have a really awesome season, the team's dead anyway. Um, and so you just kind of, you're you're looking for like a double from, you know, your last running back. And it, I got a double out of one of them and a zero out of the other, and that was totally fine. And then, and then Ramondre is kind of a home run uh, in the tenth round. He he obviously was huge. That's Harry awesome. Snowman says he loves the build, dude. He won two million bucks. It doesn't matter who <laughs> likes
0: the build. it, it is the build.
3: <laughs> I think it's I think it's you know it's interesting, and you'll have all kinds of copycats every time somebody you know ships something. You see the copycat build, but it takes the 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 it takes kind of like the scarcity, but you're going hyper fragile. Uh, with guys who are really, really safe bets. So I think that it's a it was a very sharp, obviously a very sharp way to build a team regardless of the of the receipts. And I think that you also did it in a year where people were really, really attacking um, you know hero RB or zero zero RB. So I think that you know it all kind of fell, fell in place for you and, and I think it was a really, really sharp way to do it. Um, and you know this year people I love when people attempt you know different strategies, because I think a lot of times, especially in underdog, where there's so many entries, um, you know, being being unique or somewhat unique in, in your approach is, is really gonna have a leg up. And it's funny because I talked about bimodal for a little bit. I had Jack Miller on like one on one this summer, and we were talking about, I think Mike Leone did a fantastic piece, and and Jack Miller has done some great pieces over on an ETR. And we talked a lot about bimodal. And I sent him a DM when you won, and I'm like, yeah, we we talked about bimodal, but we didn't. We didn't execute bimodal. We should have. We should have put a couple <laughs> of bimodals with, with Ramondre <laughs> in the so that, that's why I was asking.
0: I feel like like it's it's something that people were doing, especially the guys. I feel that were doing the hero RB like the, the prior season, and then last year because there was so much un- more uncertainty, I feel at the running back position, people were kind of doubling up on the hero, and then I just yeah. didn't know there was a name for it. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, obviously you you perfected it there, but. Um, it's funny, the evolution of the drafting at each position and especially the running back position.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and that I'm one of those, I'm one of the guys who's doing a lot more hero in 2021. And then just like the numbers on Bimodal were so good in 2021. It was something that I was like, I need to do more of this, which you totally know I mean?
0: makes sense. Like l- logically, when you're looking at roster construction, you know what I mean? To, to kind of improve that the hero yeah. the hero rb it just makes sense right
2: yeah and i do think like obviously you have to so my i believe my highest strategy was was hero and then zero and then bimodal so they were all like pretty close i think it was like kind of like 25 24 20 or something like that um but i still hero was my prefer, preferred build but i do think like you should just be really comfortable building All of them, even if like, like, okay, so bimodal wasn't my favorite, like I said, but I do think there's something kind of fun about like, let's say you just don't really like one of the strategies, you just don't like building out of it. it is kind of fun. Like, for me, that's hyper fragile. I don't really I never really like my hyper fragile teams. But I when I'm building one, I'm like, I'm going to build this better. Than like all the hyper fragile people, like all the people who love hyper fragile, I'm going to out execute this like, you know, kind of fun to like motivate yourself that way to like, because I do think that what you're fighting against sometimes is you just want to build the way you're most comfortable building. And so if you can figure out a way, little mind games to get yourself to
0: to I, try I out new
2: strategies, I think it's helpful. I
0: kind of feel like it's poker, right? Like you have different ways to play the different hands. It doesn't mean that every time you get ace king, you're going to play it the same way, but you have the different ways to play it. So it just depends on the scenario, your opponents, what you're seeing. And I feel like it's the same when you're in a draft room, sometimes towards like the end of the, 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 the off season, the draft season, I'll let the auto draft draft my two, first two, three, like on sites like underdog, just to kind of, make that decision for me and then i kind of figure out where i want to go from there because i feel like that's kind of fun right pete
2: overzat's done that he's talked about that yeah where he just like all right let's just see what the nice. room gives me and then i'll and then i'll kind of take it from here and i've done that a couple justin, times justin i don't love doing, doing that
3: so justin we had him on he was i think he i forgot what contest but i think he max entered with uh and he did a, a few of them with just the auto just to to get those yeah, exposure yeah. to those guys it's, it's speaking it's speaking, it. of, speaking of
0: speaking a million dollar winners i mean what other channel has like millions of millions of dollars of winners we got back to- back guys on the screen right now uh giving uh
2: shout outs to uh that is the pat. more impressive way to win two million dollars that's to win insane the tournament back <laughs> is, is pretty crazy <laughs>
3: shout out to go bills uh Marv Levy, yes, back um just one one quick question on, um and i know you got to get out of here pat we see four QBs going in the, the top first twenty-four. Um, this this is a, a big change for for approaching these these underdog drafts. How do you see that um, kind of affecting these drafts as a whole? As we see people doing like you know second round, three QBs are going in the second round, and, and Joe Burrow is is going at that like that two-three turn. Do you see that kind of creating any pockets of value at uh, other positions?
2: I do. Yeah. I think that a lot of that's got to be just kind of like uncertainty around, around the other positions with, you know, free agency and, and, uh in the draft. And like, people are kind of, to be honest, it feels a little like drafting scared to me. I mean, to, chasing. to have You're chasing. Yeah. Like almost it's, it's a lot to, to pay for a quarterback and the guys that like, like Burrow, I Burrow's awesome, but it's, he's not a late second round pick, you know, like in terms of maybe he's probably going to shove it down my throat now. Cause he's, <laughs> he does have, he does have a weekly ceiling.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He obviously, I mean, the way he closed 2021, you know, he showed he had, he does have a four. He was QB
0: four points per game this year.
2: Yeah. But like you're, you need like, okay. You're, you're kind of, if you take a quarterback at that range, you need them to be like the DFS type of guy where it's like man you know we you got to be you got to be playing this guy in tournaments this week like you got to feel that way basically every week i think josh allen jalen hurts sort of easier for me to imagine them being that guy but they're, i mean it feels fairly priced in in like the early second where they're going in on underdog right now like i don't know i i it's not like quarterback as a whole is incredibly expensive so I'd, are you, are you rather, taking are you taking these
0: early elite guys right now like going second third round in, in these big tournaments? i don't think
2: so i don't yeah. think i will be because my my feeling is maybe 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 you do need these guys to win this tournament but my feeling is maybe instead you can get your exposure to these guys in other tournaments that draft later and try out, winning this tournament with builds that are going to be a bit more boom bust because you're, you're spending picks on guys with wider ranges of outcomes. Um, And so you're going to miss more, but you're also going to hit some really big hits. Right. And like, these are extremely top heavy tournaments where if you're, you know, if you're right and you end up nailing quarterback at a cheaper price and then you're subbing in the level of player that you're subbing in an early second round pick, if you hit on an early second round pick at a non quarterback position and you're fine at quarterback, and let's say you're not even fine. Let's say you you're, you're good at quarter. Totally plausible. I mean, that's, that's how you build a super team. So I don't know. It just feels like people are being a little too conservative with these quarterback ADPs.
3: I think that the, the fear will be like the gravitational pull of the guys like, like you bring up Burrow. But the guys right behind Burrow start going a little bit higher where people yes. want to reach to get those, you know, top when we should just be treating it like tight end. If they're going to be high up there, like, you know, drafting Patrick Mahomes is not going to going to bury your team if you draft well around him, um, even if you're it's just it's super interesting because it's a big adjustment. To see these guys going quite this early, but the, uh, but
0: the second second or third round for a one QB Theo, the opportunity cost, like the, like Pat said, for me is is huge. Like I, I I'm guilty in a couple of the early ones. I, I had to do the AGB Jalen Hurts, like you know, wrap around back to back just because it's like a big money tournament or whatever. But uh, then after like doing it a couple of times, I'm like, you know what? It's not like the opportunity cost is too wide. I rather get like three solid receivers, a good starting running back. And then if you hit on your QBs later, you know, we have a lot of these uncertainties right now at quarterback. If any of those pop and they get you in the top 10, top five, in top eight, um, that's where I think you get your your wins. But uh, the, the quarterback and the running back position, like we talked about tonight, very interesting. Hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. Uh, the audience, we appreciate you guys in the chat We're awesome as usual. Uh, apologies from my end I put the tweet out for 9pm so anyone catching this at 9 you'll be happy <laughs> the show's already up uh, we still got a, a nice turnout in the chat as usual Pat you're awesome man we're, we're happy for you uh, with, with the big win appreciate uh, you always having time for us and remind the peeps where to find you but uh, if you can maybe slip in if you have one already I don't know if you do but maybe this year's Sky more uh, so far in this class if, if maybe you've picked one out
2: Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be on 15 minutes here. We'll be on ship chasing. We're talking the rookie running back class in particular. Um, And so, yeah, Sky Moore was so no one wants this year Sky Moore uh, for good (laughs) reason. Uh, And, you know, very high on Sky Moore as a prospect. Um, But my big stand is even bigger than than Moore uh, was Rashad White. I had him on like over 40 percent of my best ball teams. Uh, Ironically, I had a different Tampa Bay guys on the the team that uh, took down Best Ball Mania, but um, the rookie running back was where I, I planted my flag in the biggest way last year, and I feel like maybe that'll be the case again this year, where it's this is maybe this is cheating because he's going much higher, but I think Jameer Gibbs is a really strong pick right now. Um, he's, he's someone that I feel like is probably going to settle into the fourth round, and he's going in the late fifth now. Um, he's a versatile back. He's a little undersized, but I think he's a, he's like 200 pounds. So I, I don't I'm not like worried about his size, but maybe that's going to keep people from being like you know super super excited. And I also think like uh, there's no case to put him ahead of Bijan Robinson in this class, and no one will do that. I don't think anyone even for like just to ha- have like a fire take. I'm not even sure anyone will will seriously attempt that, but. Maybe that sort of caps the excitement around this this extremely explosive, great pass catcher. You know that is going to have good draft capital. You know I think he's like live to be drafted in the first round. Like if he weighs if he weighs in at like two oh five, yeah, and he runs well, and I think he will run well. So um, if you talk about like prices, you know about trying to get the best prices that you're going to get on players throughout the year. Gibbs is someone that I think I don't see how you're getting lower than the end of the fifth round. Maybe, maybe you're getting him in the sixth at some point, but he's not the type of guy who's going to be like a seventh round pick. I don't think so getting him in the late fifth feels like kind of a steal to me. Um, and I'll be happy to take him in the fourth. Like, I think he's a really strong prospect. I think he's kind of like at the Travis ETN level, pretty similar in terms of overall uh, prospect quality. I think to Brees hall last year, obviously hall, I think Hall ended up being better than I thought he would be. Like Hall Hall looks like he's a superstar. Um, But just in terms of like the range of outcomes that Gibbs provides, I think it's pretty similar to what Hall provided. Um, You know, he's going after Javante Williams, who's coming off an ACL tear. And I think Gibbs is probably a better prospect than Williams was. So uh, he's definitely someone to target right now. Love that. um, I know,
0: I know. Lob and, and Hicks were on him. Uh, just again with the weight, but Pat, always appreciate your time. At Pat Crane, guys, check him out in 15 minutes on ship chasing, uh, talking rookies. Theo, always a blast, buddy. What do we have? Uh, anything lined up coming up? I know Dan's away on the beach we, for we the should, next we three have, weeks.
3: We should have something. We should have something Monday. Uh, we'll get a tweet out when we have the, the guests lined up. We have uh, some some great guests like Pat uh, on the way. Um, you know, come check us out all all, all March. Um, We're going to be bringing you the heat up into the NFL draft, um, and you know, get your dynasty rosters right. A lot of best ball, Um, so stick with us in the district.
0: For sure, man. Ball incoming, dynasty market check. Some more goat district. Some more huge guests, guys. Stick with us. Smash the like. We appreciate you guys, and we'll check you all
1: Later. later.
0: Pat, I know you hung around to find out. I did get Pollard, just just so you know, in nice. the fourth round there. <laughs> I'm nice. loving my 125 right now. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate you uh, hanging with us, for sure.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, a lot of fun, Pat. I'll see you later. We'll, uh, we'll
0: take care. Say hi to, to the boys over there. We'll, I will. will be watching you in a few. Later, guys. Good show, hey, yo, man. That was
2: good.